0: Hey, it's going to be another fun episode. Bringing in Charles Reed, man. And this guy's got a hell of a story, you know, truly living the American dream from going from the United States Marine Corps to running a payroll company for 30 years and his adventures along the way. A lot of great, uh, good life business lessons out of this one. I really, really enjoyed it. And as always, this is brought to you by Point Blank Safety Services. And if you're in Texas and you're looking for safety, security, you know, anything that you know, to protect our highways, our assets. I'm telling you, Point Blank Safety Services is the company for you. Um, They employ off-duty officers in security positions and uh, safety positions just to make sure that, you know, your assets stay your assets. And guys, I'm really excited about the Badass Business Summit. Coming up April 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Fort Worth, Texas at the Hearst Convention Center. It is 12 speakers brought in from around the world talking about business, business development, publicity, and how to use your brand to really, really grow your business. And you can check that out at badassbusinesssummit.com. Now... On the Charles.
1: Your success and greatness is ready to take flight right now. The fruits of your labor are just turning right, right now. That's why you planted on those seeds so you can take a bite right now. The unbelievable. It's now believable. You're reaching new heights right now. The crown is no place for champions. The ground is no place for champions. Right. The ground is no place for, no for champions.
0: This guy has got a very cool story. It's it's really the American dream, you know, how he built his business, the life he lived, and all the things he's into. So I'm really looking forward to this one. So Charles, my friend,
1: welcome to the show, brother. Please tell us your story. Hey, Donnie. Uh, good to be with you. Uh, good to see you again. Uh, well, you know, my story is, I like it, but you know, it's not fabulous. I mean, I'm a old Marine. Uh, out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps. Uh, after the Marine, I got married while I was still in service. Uh, married a woman with five children. So, wow! Um, obviously, I was insane. A glutton but, uh, for punishment, something. <laughs> yeah, something. No good deed goes unpunished. But we were married for forty-five years before she passed. So, wow! Uh,
0: I, so, so a couple of really cool kudos for you then, as as we dive in. One, kudos for getting married while mm. in the service and staying with her for forty-five. <laughs> That, that's, that's a big, you know, feat for being a Marine myself. You know, uh, you often hear the guys get married in the military and, you know, they don't last six weeks, let alone 45 years. So, so good on you for that. Two, where in the world was in your head when you looked at a woman who had five kids and said, you know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her? That's,
1: that's huge. Uh, you know, Donnie, I've asked myself that a million times. Uh, the minister who had buried us, the chaplain, yeah. uh, looked at me and said, "Son, are you sure you know what you're getting into? And I <laughs> said, well, I've lived with her for the last three months, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> and at that point, he shut up. Uh, I, I don't know, but it worked. Uh, I needed her. She needed me. Uh, it was a marriage made in heaven. And, uh, you know, she got herself a toy boy and raised him right. Because <laughs> I was I was 21 and she was 31, right on right when I on. married her. So wow, uh, don't ask me, but it, it it worked for us. That's awesome. Uh, and a part of that's the Marine Corps uh, discipline, uh, you know, completing the mission, uh, whatever it takes, and so on. Marriage wasn't perfect. No marriage is, of course, of course, uh, but it was good. It was it was a good marriage, and uh, I, I miss her every day. I'm sure I miss her every day. I'm sure so so married a gal with five
0: kids after you get out of the Marine Corps and you guys are you know probably like most military trying to figure out what the heck you want to be when you grow up yep you know and are looking for how do I support you know my newer bride her five kids (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a tall order brother I mean uh most guys when they get out you know they're clueless right I have no idea what that next move is
1: how did it all work out for you uh, I was clueless, right. but I'd gotten out of, uh, I was stationed in Kansas City when I got out and it was winter and Kansas City was in the middle of one of their construction strikes, which unemployment was turning 25%. So on the advice of my father, we headed South, we got to Dallas, uh, we'd left Kansas City, everything was frozen over, we got to Dallas at 6 p.m. and it was 63 degrees. We thought we were in heaven. Uh <laughs> So Ruth found a job. My wife found a job literally the next day. I found one the day after. Uh, worked for about a year and a half. Um, i got gotten insulted by an employer. I, I went and in, interviewed for a job. Employers of Texas. And they needed a computer programmer. They were converting from 1401 to 360, two old computer systems. Okay. I had just done that working on the Joint Unified Military Pay System. Moving from 1401 to 360. And the recruiter told me that he didn't think my military experience applied to business. (laughs) All too often of a story. Yeah. It's the only job offer, the only job interview I've ever told the interviewer that he was a complete, total, unmitigated idiot. I'm sure there was some stronger
0: language in there.
1: There was. Um, you could say asshole on my show. It's okay. <laughs> you know, uh, worse than that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I didn't get the job. Uh, the company went bankrupt a few years later, probably as much due to that recruiter as anything else. <laughs> right. So I went back to school. I went up. I, I graduated from high school with a, a, a D average. Oh, so a good st- we could have hung out then. Yeah, I was not a
0: good student. Well, hence why we ended up in the Marine Corps. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's closer than you think. Anyway, so I went to, well, went to college here in Texas, up in Denton, North Texas. And in two years, I had graduated undergraduate with honors and had my master's degree, had sat for and passed my CPA exam at the same time. Nice. So obviously, they didn't know how to educate me in high school. Right, right. Um, and after that I went to work for uh, I went to work for Texas Instruments right mm-hmm. out of college uh, well, I had my MBA and my CPA uh, I've now been a CPA for more than 40 years um, and worked in larger businesses for oh 10 12 years decided I was never going to get to the top of a corporation uh, because I didn't have the political skills right and so I started my own business Got <laughs> get to run it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so funny a, a lot of our stories do do cross over you know i was similar in high school and um uh, most of my teachers passed me on because they didn't want me back and it told me so which was always fun and you know but it did the corporate game as well and realized that that i just wasn't going to be able to play the corporate politics enough to to get anywhere so i found sales that way really truthfully um and that's how i spent my years so so as you're figuring life out, um, uh, I'm, this, for me, because I know how I am a lot of times when I'm in a learning set, what was it like going from the military, Marine Corps, disciplined lifestyle to hanging out with a bunch of college kids, learning how to...
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things when you went to North Texas, if you were a returning veteran, They just gave you the four hours of P.E. credit. Okay. Okay. They didn't want a 25, 26-year-old combat veteran. Right. Okay. Competing with a bunch of 18-year-old snot-nosed kids because they do something stupid. And, of course – I would deck them. I mean, right, wouldn't, right. wouldn't think twice about it. Right. They they push me, and I'll kick them in the nuts. Right? You know, <laughs> they don't know how to. Take. So the 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 school was very smart about that. But I was married, so I was a commuting student. So I went to class and came home. I worked full time at the same time. So I didn't have time for the the petty politics mm. of of school and so on. I was pretty much of a conservative at that point in time. So and in business you don't get the liberal professors as much as you do in some of the other right. um, schools right. In business, it's, it's business, it's numbers, it's, you know, balance sheets, it's income statements, it's finance, it's stocks, it's bonds. Well, what uh, made
0: you to choose to go this whole accounting CPA route? I mean, when you think a
1: Marine, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. Well, the Marine Corps trained me as a computer programmer, right? Okay. Right. So I have a very analytical mind. And it was either go into uh, IT, they didn't call it IT then, or business. And I grew up in business. My father had his own business. And so I'd have the data processing, and I trained on that. IBM had trained me as a COBOL programmer. So I was more experienced than uh, some of my professors in in data processing. Uh, So I figured I'd try something new. Went into business, was comfortable, uh, liked it. Like my first accounting course, like my second, third, fourth, fifth, eighth, tenth, one, and uh, it's uh, CPA is a good profession. Uh, you get to do it indoors. You don't have to slog through the mud. Okay, <laughs> right. you, don't get, you don't get shot at very often. Uh, you know, I had enough of that in Vietnam. Right. So um, you know, I just said, hey, an indoor job, air conditioning sounds like a good one to me, <laughs> and enjoyed the business. And so I just stuck with it, and it was something I was good at. Nice. So
0: you get your, your CPA, your MBA, you get the Texas Instruments, and then you sail off in the sunset once you start your business, multimillionaire, retired, and never had to work a day in your life.
1: Uh, I wish. <laughs> I, I, I still work every day. I don't work quite as hard as I did 20 years ago because I've got a very good staff. Right. And and that's the key. Uh, As far as retirement, uh, I fully expect them to find me dead at my desk one day. (laughs) Uh, Retirement, you know, since Ruth passed, uh, there's just, you know, what am I going to do? Sit at home by myself? Right. Uh, No. So I work. I've enjoyed it. I make a very good living. Uh, I'm a happy camper. Uh, I get to go to poker tournaments when I want to.
0: There you go. There
1: you go. At what point...
0: In your career, did you decide that you were done working for other people? I mean, and what
1: was the shift that said, I'm going to run my own business? Well, in my early 40s, uh, I'd worked for some major corporations. Uh, and it it just became evident that my skill set, well, first of all, American business management sucks, Okay. It's very poor for the most part. Corporate management uh, is very insular, uh, very inbred, uh, very myoptic. Uh, it's, It's very poorly done. That's why businesses fail continually. So I didn't fit that mold. I was not willing to step on people. I was not willing to stab people in the back. That's just not how I am. And that's what you have to do at that point to get ahead in American business, which you had to be a real prick. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not willing to do that. I had a, I had a guy when I was with, with pennies and they were downsizing. And a week before Christmas, he wanted to fire this whole set of staff a week before Christmas. <laughs> and he didn't care. They had to keep me from going across the table after him. <laughs> Cause I was just going to beat the crap out of him. Uh, and that was, that was basically it. That was the end point. That's why I said, I got to get out of this place and started looking and uh, bought a, a franchise, which the franchisor went belly up and I just mm-hmm. kept going. And that's been almost 30 years. Wow. That's impressive. Why a franchise? Why not just start your own thing? Well, the, my, my lawyer who was negotiating the uh, buyout at pennies knew somebody who needed a COO and, uh, Chief Operations Officer, uh, and it was a franchise, and they had mobile accounting services. So I went to work for them as COO. You know, I have to have an income. Right. Well, the board was pushing the franchisor to get rid of the original office they'd started. And I said, I'll buy it. It was a mobile accounting service that needed a CPA, and it just fit me. And so I got. So when you say
0: mobile accounting service, you're literally saying, you know, a guy who's got a typewriter in the back of a van.
1: Basically, a computer in the back of a van with a printer. And we would go to our clients and actually do the books right out there in the parking lot. Did you have at least like the ice cream music playing as you drove around town? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) no, but this was a big converted van, much like a Winnebago. Right. Uh, And uh, uh, they had an office built into it and a generator, and you'd pull up, go inside, get the, the stuff, come outside, do the books, take it back inside, and explain it to the client. I've never seen that before. Well, this the idea wasn't new. It Actually, uh, if you read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, yeah. you'll find an example of that back in the 30s, oh, wow. where a guy did that in a truck. Well, this franchisor had re- re-established the idea, and it went pretty well, but With the advance of technology, with fax, emails, uh, scanning, and everything else, uh, it went away. The the need to go out to the client disappeared as technology took over with getting the information in so quickly. Mm. So after five or six years, we sold off the vans, and we we had it in the office. And we had an integrated payroll service at the same time when I bought in. Well, I love the payroll business. So we expanded it. It was also a good way to sell accounting. And then here about eight years ago, uh, I sold the accounting practice to my partner, my then partner who I'd brought in, you know, 10 years earlier. And, uh, I kept the payroll and we've continued to grow it, uh, substantially. And so I'm in the payroll business. I've got, uh, clients in 45, 46 States. We're national, um, we're, we're probably the, one of the smallest of the national payroll services, but uh, we are national. We got into the internet early on. Uh, we produced a green payroll. We were the first totally green payroll, uh, no paper, all electronic. Um, so we've we've had a lot of fun with payroll. Uh, we take care of our clients. Um, what was it like?
0: The key. Yeah, absolutely. And I want We're going to dive into that a lot. Um, sure. What was it? the like when you go from this franchise business model to where they teach you everything but sales that's franchises as a whole um and the all of a sudden you no longer have a franchise and now you're left with a few clients you know and now you've got to run this whole thing and build it all yourself what was that transition
1: like it really wasn't bad the the franchise was relatively new. They'd gotten up to not quite 50 franchisees before they went belly up. Uh, they went belly up about a year after I joined, okay. after I bought the franchise. Uh, the president was screwing one of the sales girls. The vice president wanted to take over the president's spot and was going around his back. It was all politics mm, of course. and it, it self-destructed. So we just sent them back their logo stuff and just kept going. We had a, a full set of clients. Uh, And the reason why the franchise failed is they didn't know how to sell. Right. They, they had a a marketing program that was modeled after one salesman out of Tyler and they couldn't replicate it. He was successful. They never could teach anybody else how to be as successful as he was. Right. So it failed. Uh, But we just kept going. It was word of mouth. We kept getting new clients. Uh, We've added salespeople off and on over the years. Um, But it's, it's, it's procedure. You, you, you set up a procedure and policy, and you follow it. We had procedure manuals. We adapted them. We continue to adapt them to this day, every day. Uh, and that's what allows you to run a business effectively, is you, you have a, a procedure. Right. And if you bring somebody in, you give them the procedure manual, and this is how you do things. So every payroll was run. As if a CPA was actually doing it himself, we set up checklists and procedures, and the the one thing that would get you fired immediately was to have checked off a piece of the checklist and not have done it. Right. If you checked it and you made a mistake, we'll fix it. We'll figure out what happened and we'll adjust the procedure. But if you checked it off that you did it and you didn't do it, you're fired. Because. You know- it has to be done.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, a couple of things that I learned running my business was it wasn't until I started putting policies and procedures in because I didn't end out the gate uh, because I was a sales guy. You know, a sales guy, I don't really need a whole lot of process. You know, um, but running a business, once I started figuring out putting processes and procedures in, you know, my business started really scaling because somebody else could do it. Right? It wasn't wasn't dependent on my ability to make it
1: all function. Is that the same for you guys? Is that why you started putting procedures in? Absolutely. Uh, Michael Gerber, the E-Myth Revisited, was given to me by a friend after about the third year in business when I was thinking of just firing everybody and moving it back to the game room. (laughs) And I read that, and that's what made me understand the power of policy and procedure. Uh, So it's a turnkey operation. You can bring in people with just enough brains to do the job. And they'll do it exactly like it should be done. That's how you can scale a business, because you can replicate, replicate, replicate. So I can have 15 people doing payrolls. And they're done exactly like I, the CPA would do them. Right, right. And then when we find problems, or we find things that don't work, We adapt the procedure. We change it. So that procedure is malleable. And every time we run into a new circumstance that causes a problem, we add that to the procedure so it doesn't happen again. Right. How did you write the first procedure? Was it you just went through and documented what you were doing? Exactly. I took and sat down and wrote a checklist to do a payroll. And I started and I wrote everything I did in the order I did them. Now I'm curious from that first
0: moment of creating that to where it is a year later, how much did it change from the way you did it to adapt it to somebody else? Oh, immensely. Yeah. Because
1: so many of the things I knew intuitively, right? I didn't right. do these things. I didn't do those things. I, I did these things. Well, as other people come in and have other points of view and think about other things and we got more clients, and more States, and and more complexity, it had to adapt. It adapts literally monthly now, even now, after 30 years. We're constantly adapting it to things change. The law changes. Procedures change. Technology changes, yep. Technology, oh, God, technology. Look, we used to order paper by the pallet. Right. Four cases of paper at a time, okay? Now we order two or three at a time everything used to be three hole punched because we kept it all in binders. Okay. Yep. It's now all kept on an optical disc. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the things we did in the past, there's things we don't do and all that has to change the procedure and the policy as well. How much did your business grow after you started putting all those policies and procedures in? Much. It grew a lot faster and what it did, did more than anything else is it killed the error rate. Mm. We used to have a lot of errors that we had to fix. Once we started installing uh, hardcore procedures, the error rate went from several percent down to a fraction of a fraction of a percent. It just eliminated the errors because all the things that were error prone, you had to look at and say this or that, this or that, yes, no, whatever, or, uh, query. One of the things is if it, we, every payroll is double checked, that's when we were doing it by hand, every payroll got double checked. And if you read this as a five and I read it as a three, we call the client Right. and double check. We don't assume that you're right or I'm right. We double check, call the client, ask him, just prevent that error. They'd much rather answer the question up front than have to fix it later. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, and and I
0: love this because most small business owners as they're they're scaling, they, one, don't know how to tell somebody else what they do so they can get it off their plate. Um, uh, Two, they've never sat down to try and document exactly what they do so they can, once again,
1: get it off their plate. Our procedure manual for payroll runs several hundred pages. Mm. okay now you don't use it all every day but every possible instance problem situation we've run into is in there so if you run into one you don't know check the manual it's probably in there right and tells you what to do if it isn't go to the operations manager and we'll write a procedure <laughs> and put it in the manual yeah um as you've gone on with
0: the business and you've seen technology change over the last thirty-some odd years of, of, of doing this, what has been some of the the biggest technological you know advances that, when they hit, you're like, where the hell has this been my entire
1: life? Fax machines, right? Emails, the internet. Um, those are those are the big things. Fax machines in the beginning, because you no longer had to get paper or wait for it by mail. It would appear overnight uh, or in a heartbeat, and then when they went from NCR paper to regular paper, that was a big boost. Right. NCR was the old heat sensitive stuff. Yep, yep. Uh, and that went away. Uh, so fax machines, uh, then emails and scanning, because we our fax we used to get we used to have multiple fax machines, and electronic faxes. Electronic faxes were a nice thing, but we don't get near the faxes we used to. Because everything comes in scanned, or now with technology, we have online software for them to enter their payroll with at their site. They hit enter and it appears at our site and processes. Oh, so good. So you and the government the only two places left that still accept faxes. So <laughs> <laughs> well, for our clients, we will accept electronic fax, paper, phone call, whatever they want. So the payroll gets processed. Mm. Uh, You know, we have a guy that does it from the beach in Waikiki twice a year when he's vacationing on his laptop. But if a client calls and says, oh, my computer's down. I forgot to do this. Can you help? Yeah, sure. Tell me how many, who you want to pay. Well, uh, and we'll pull up the list of employees and go through with them, each employee, and record the hours and process the payroll for them. That's service. Right. And, I mean, ADP, paychecks, other people – do a relatively good job in providing paychecks, okay? They can take the hours, calculate and print the check or the direct deposit. The service on top of that is where we excel, that and our compliance. On service, we bend over backwards for our clients. Our turnover rate is a fraction of what our major competitors is. We don't lose clients because they go to a competitor. We lose clients they go out of business, they get bought up, they retire and so on. But we don't lose clients because they go to ADP or paychecks. We get clients yeah, because they leave ADP and paychecks.
0: Right. Where does that customer service come from? I mean, was that ingrained, you know, early on, or did you learn how to prop? Because in this day and age, you don't see customer service hardly anywhere anymore. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's old fashioned, and you know, it's it's wild. A lot of transactions I've done, you know, buying this, that, and the other, that have blown me away of their lack of actually wanting to treat people like a human. It's it's insane. So,
1: so, I mean, where for you, where did it come from? From my father. He had his own business. I worked with him when I was a youngster. I started doing uh, wet Verifax copying for him when I was six years old. Doing what? Well, the, before the Xerox machine, right, you had a, what was a Verifax, and you would put the master and the piece of paper under a bright light. Then you'd take the master and you'd put it into a chemical bath. Jeez. Then you'd peel it, you pull it out, and squeegee it with another piece of paper, peel the piece of paper off, and you had a copy. Holy mercy. I'm, I've never heard of that well, this is this is this. Charles, you showing your age a little bit, but yeah, this is more than <laughs> sixty years ago. I remember very well when we got the first Xerox machine. I was probably about twelve, right? Um, and it was the size of a washing machine. <laughs> uh, but I st- so I started working with my father and saw how he treated his clients and his business. My mother worked with him, and it just you know customer service was just their hallmark.
0: Um, so- So with him being an entrepreneur, do you think it was a little bit in your DNA that you were always going to end up that direction or was it really, you know, happenstance?
1: I fought it for years, Mm. but no, I think it's DNA and experience and growing up because, uh, you know, I wasn't really happy in corporate life. I didn't have control. Uh, And so once I started my own business and had, had control of the situation the so I worked harder than I'd ever had in my life. okay I worked harder than I did in the Marine Corps right but it was so satisfying uh, and Ruth worked with me uh, for about the first eight years and then she retired and built, <laughs> built the house and other things. So it was good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it but I, yeah I think I, I grew up around a small bit I grew up in a small business right. I mean, uh, one of the bedrooms on the second floor was the office. Okay. <laughs> and dad had three girls that worked for him, uh, as well as mother. So, you know, I just grew up around it. And it, it was not unnatural for me to move into being the boss. Right. You so. know, I know, for for me, on, on my
0: journey, nobody told me how much I was going to discover about myself running a business. You know, I, I really think I finally met me once I launched my business, I figured out my strengths, what I was good at, and what I absolutely sucked at, you know, along the way. For, for for you, did you have a good grip and handle on who you were? Or was more of it revealed once you started, you know, the whole, your whole world was actually on your shoulders?
1: I thought I knew who I was. That's (laughs) fair. And I thought I knew what I wanted. But when I got into business, obviously, uh, your flaws reveal themselves to a self-aware person Mm -hmm. very quickly. And I found what I was good at and what I wasn't, uh, where I needed help and learned how to hire people to fill in the spots where I was weak. With their strengths to present a, a a better overall situation for our clients. So, um, and I learned that you know, you know I I didn't consider myself a people person. I learned to take care of clients and treat them right, and understand them and work with them. I also learned that that certified letter from the IRS is not a problem it would scare Ruth to death. We'd get a certified letters from the IRS and she would call me and she'd be all upset and so on and so forth. And I finally explained to her, this is a way that brings clients out of the woodwork, right? They will come see me because they got a copy of the certified letter. <laughs> They're going to call me tomorrow. Okay. Right, right. And I can solve the problem for them. So there's a lot of things you learn. Um, over time, the IRS is not your enemy. Uh, they're there to do a job, and they're, they're people. They're not this monolithic, terrible organization that people view them as. I'm on the Internal Revenue Service Advisory Council. Mm. This is my third year. I go up to Washington five times a year to work with the IRS on problems. These are real people. Oh, I've got a few notes for you then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had lunch with the commissioner, the new commissioner, uh, twice, just in the cafeteria. So, you know, they're real people. Uh, They care. They are very insular. They are very protected from the outside world, which is why they have us. Right. Uh, We had one come up uh, this time about very esoteric. And the guy sitting next to me had worked for Amazon and Uber. And he said, oh, this is what's happening. This is what's causing you to get these things. And they went, oh, wow, we didn't know that.
0: Right. That's the IRS.
1: Right. <laughs> they got these 1099s with huge withholding, and they didn't understand what they thought there was potential fraud. Well, yeah, there's some potential fraud, but there's some real reasons those happen, and we were able to explain it to them off the cuff. Right. Right. So, you know, they're in and and so we've learned. I've learned to deal with them. Uh, to me, it's a game. Uh, it's like, you know, and I don't tell my clients this, but it's like playing high stakes poker with somebody else's money. okay if i lose it doesn't cost me anything if i win i get paid so you know it's it's fun it's a game it's a whole series of no's followed by a single yes so uh, basically i've gamified uh dealing with the irs uh and it's a lot of fun
0: and you know from a business owner standpoint i don't care how you get it done just get it done you know
1: as a business owner don't talk to the irs Right. Call me. Right. Because they'll lie to you. Uh, They will tell you untruths. They will. You don't know the rules. You don't know the law. I do. Right. Okay. A a taxpayer going into the IRS is like a construction worker going into court and trying to represent himself. Uh, He's out of his league. I, I, I take it as if you take a major league soccer player, one of the best. Okay. He's a great athlete and you put him in the middle of a football game, he's screwed. Right. He doesn't know the rules. He doesn't have the equipment. He doesn't have the experience. And that 250-pound linebacker is going to flatten him in a heartbeat because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a great athlete, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. If you want to go back to school for a few years and spend 10 or 15 years under a CPA learning all this stuff, you'll be able to handle it. Nope. That's why I pay people. <laughs> exactly. that's, that's why we get paid. Yeah, you know,
0: it, it's it been interesting for me uh, is, as I've continued to build this out, you know, learning, you know, what to outsource, what to get off my plate, what to put off onto somebody else to do. Um, and I assume everybody goes through that in some form or fashion, right? You know, you uh, take this on, this is your responsibility, get this off your plate, that's somebody else's responsibility. I, how did you learn that? Was it similar to me where you kind of had to go through it to figure it out or? or... To,
1: to a certain extent, but you get part of that in, in, in the Marine Corps. Right. You get delegated things. Well, you get voluntold things. You, well, you, you get <laughs> your jobs get delegated to you. You get told to do this, right, right, and you have to figure out how to do it. And so, and as you rise in the ranks, you delegate things to people underneath you. Well,
0: I, I, to add on to that, one thing that I sometimes discount because I don't think about it, but in the in the Marine Corps, no wasn't an option. So when you're told to do something, you figure it out, whatever the cost. Right. Right. You know, and I think that's one skill set that I don't often remember, you know,
1: once I've been out that has benefited me very, very, very well. There's that. And one of the problems coming out of the military is. Everybody is either above you or below you. You either tell them what to do or they tell you what to do. True. Okay, You know, it comes down to time and grade. Okay, your two sergeants you, together—you both E fives. You figure out who has the more time and grade; they're the senior person. Right. right. Okay. It's 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 crazy, but there's it's the absolute hierarchy. When you get out of business, you can't impose that on your employees. Well they said. will not accept it. Well said. Yeah, I mean, so that's <laughs> that's one I had to unlearn. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, well, and you know one of the funniest things i had to unlearn was
1: to retrain
0: the vocabulary you know because
1: (laughs) the nice thing about being the boss is by that one slip you know i may get a dirty look but nobody says anything
0: right right well that's why i started my own business so i could say ass and shit and whatever the hell else i wanted to say on my own damn dime so exactly um uh i'll never forget the first time i was doing a sales training in a Older gentleman, almost seventy years old. I said the f word in the middle of a training class. Pulled me aside and said, "Son, you're never going to make it anywhere in life if you keep using that language." <laughs> <laughs> for me, that was kind of a challenge, right? You know? uh, it was like, well, "Hold my beer and watch what I'm about to do."
1: Yeah, yeah, um, you know, yeah. That's that's I'm I'm a pilot, and that's that's the one you fear is when the guy says watch this. Right. <laughs> when another pilot says, watch this, I'm getting away the hell out of the way. <laughs> so what's probably some of the best advice
0: you could give a business owner, you know, coming up through the ranks or probably a couple of years in business. Um, they're just, you know, probably hit their first six figures and are starting to really get a little bit of traction. What best advice would you give them?
1: Well, one of my favorite sayings comes from Bill Gates and it says men will overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. Mm. Very true. So, yeah, have a plan, <clears throat> work it, but you may not get to where you want to think you want to get within a year, but within a decade, you can accomplish almost anything. So have a long-term point of view. Don't worry about, short-term things. I mean, you're concerned with it and you want to make sure you're making money and profitable and all, all these other things. But plan for the long-term. You are you know, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm. Uh, and the the next best saying I have, and this goes back to customer service, there's never a traffic jam on the extra mile. Mm. Very true. Go the extra mile for your clients. It will pay for itself over and over and over and over, uh, they will send you referrals. They will stay. They'll become loyal clients. And I'd much rather have a loyal client than a happy client, because a loyal client, you can screw up, and they're not going away. Yeah, yeah. I learned that one in the sales game. It's, it's so it's truly
0: wise. You know, uh, once I understood that people buy from people and not companies. Yep. I realized that if I took to blame versus blaming my company, it was amazing how much more gentle they were when they were, you know, cussing me out over whatever it was that we screwed up. You know, so I just learned to go out and literally say, dude, we, we dropped the ball and it's a hundred percent my fault. Here's what I didn't do properly. And when you took ownership of that moment,
1: man, I kept so many more clients. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I I am not, I don't like to do it, but yeah, I'll admit to the client, we screwed up. Yep. We just our, our our procedure and our policy was not adequate for that situation and we blew it. And we'll make it right and we'll fix it and we'll take care of it. And if you need me to send letters of apology to your clients and explain to them that we screwed it up, not them, more than happy to. Okay. Whatever it takes to, to make you happy with it, we will do. We'll we'll go the extra mile, particularly if we screwed up. Yeah, and I think
0: that's a lost art somewhat in in businesses nowadays. You know, I think there's because you can hide behind a computer screen now. Yep. Right. Um. And and you can pass the buck and
1: be out of the situation. So, you yeah. Know. But it doesn't fix it. No that's the problem. It, all it does is irritate the guy on the other end because he wants somebody to blame. And if you'll accept the responsibility, well, then, you know, then it's I, 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 over. I don't even know
0: that they want somebody to blame. They just want somebody to either vent to or to hear them. I mean, that's what I found most times. To hear it, them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, is, is if you will just let them get it off their chest, most times they'll, they're a hundred percent better for it because at some point they're going to realize that you're just another human being and we're, we're programmed to screw shit up, you know, <laughs> all there is to it, you know, um, as we go through all this. So, so what do you think, you know, the rest of this ride is going to take you, man? I mean, I know that you plan on being found dead behind the desk. I get that,
1: you know, well, But my, my new, my new book comes out this summer. Okay. Uh, Wiley. Wait, what Simon. was the old book? What was the old book? Uh, I had, I had one on the, uh, Uh, there it is the little black book of the beauty business volume one it was teaching salon and spa owners the back end of the business oh accounting tax hiring firing contracts and what's that one called the little black book of the beauty business volume one okay it's on amazon it's on kindle and the new book is uh payroll for american business a complete guide for small business and startups very cool. And, and that is being published by Wiley, which is a major publishing house. It'll be out this summer. Uh, I'm gonna be flogging the hell out of it. <laughs> uh, I'm increasing my public speaking, and that alone will probably get me a lot of keynotes and and speaking engagements, uh, which will help bring me clients, right? Um, so uh, I've got a couple of more books uh, in in the in the thought process stage that I'll be writing. Uh, this year and next year, uh, we're continuing to grow and expand. Um, I just plan on keep working on it for the next, you know, 30 or 40 years.
0: Love it. Love it. You know, a lot of people don't know, but that's what my company does is help people get on podcast, get on stages, write their books and get published and everything. So that's, it's always fun meeting somebody going through the process uh, to see all the ins and outs of what they're doing. because It's, it's a lot of work to become the face of the company.
1: You know. It is, but at, th- at this point, when that's published, we'll be or I'll be the person that wrote the book on payroll. Right, right, which is huge. Which is which huge. huge. Which is huge. So that's awesome, my
0: friend. Well, child, this has been a hell of a journey and a hell of a ride. Um, you know, Let's do this. This is like how I like to wrap up every episode. First, though, is how do people get in touch with you? I mean, how do they, you know, if they want to find out more, how do they get in touch with you?
1: www.getpayroll.com. Awesome. Or they can call me at (laughs) 972-353-0000. That's the only good thing. GTE ever did for me. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> simple enough. Simple enough. Well, brother, here's how we like to wrap up. If you were going to leave the champions who listen to the show, 186 countries around the world, with a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it. What's that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this.
1: I'm going to go back to what I used earlier. There's never a traffic jam. On the extra mile. Go the extra mile for your clients. That's huge, brother.
0: Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thanks for for hanging out and, and dude, it's gonna be fun to watch the next 30 years on you. Donnie, my pleasure. I look
1: forward to seeing you again soon. It will take a the ground of the, the, the You are and the ground. Is no place for a, champion,
0: for, a champion, for, a champion, for a champion. What a fun episode, man! I love it when you get around an older person that that can give you just some solid, fun advice and. You know, is speaking based off of their their adventures and what they've done. So, make sure you get over to Get Payroll and and check them out. And if you need those services, definitely reach out to those guys. Just a phenomenal conversation. And as you heard, they're going to be at the Badass Business Summit, hanging out with us. So so if you want to meet Charles in person, make sure you get over there uh, during the Badass Business Summit. We are going to be doing live podcast one from sales throwdown i will be interviewing nicole dickman who's a ceo of envoy managed services gonna be a great and fun time and you'll get a chance to to be on a live episode of success champions how cool will that be so so make sure you come hang out with us and as always, man, if you get anything out of the show, please teach somebody else how to subscribe, uh, rate, and review this show. It means everything when we get those great reviews from you guys out there, and we really, really, truly appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Keep kicking ass, and we'll catch you next time. Later. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in, and we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows, and that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions networking, and it continues to grow.